Death Before Booze may discuss controversial or sensitive topics and is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Absolutely too many. That's literally the story of everyone's life. Yeah. And then by March, you're like, what the hell day is it? I don't freaking know anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. January is the longest year of any year ever. Yes. Oh, my God. My One of my students and I were just talking about this. We were like, it seems like January goes on forever. It's the worst. And then you I had know. from January to Memorial Day and there's nothing. Like, you just had Thanksgiving, Christmas, New yep. Year's, all this great time off. And then it's like you're just twiddling your thumbs working for the man. And I'm like, yeah, we need to come up with a holiday. (gasps) DB squared appreciation day. And we're going to put it on a Friday. So it's a full weekend. Oh, I love that long weekend. Yes. Maybe we'll do it in March. (gasps) I figured it out. We will do this. Okay, so Uh mark it on your calendar. Somebody write this down. This is the newest thing. Somebody write it down. Somebody write it down. We're going to make this official. Tell Obama. He's going to help. We're going to. Um, He's going to. DB squared appreciation day. And we're going to hook it with St. Patrick's Day. So whatever week St. Patrick's Day is, it will be that following Friday. Kind of like Ash Wednesday. You know, you got Mardi Gras and then you go into Ash Wednesday or right, however right. that works. That makes sense. Wherever mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day falls. That following Friday is Death Before Booze Appreciation Day. And then if, if like in Lent, St. Patrick's Day ends up on a Friday, we will push Death Before Booze Day to a Monday so you get a four-day weekend. I love that. I mean, that works. make me president. I have absolutely no idea about policies or other shit, but I will get you this holiday on the calendar. Get, let's, let's do it. Um. I just want to say, um, I know Jen is waiting to hear this as well. You will obviously be my vice president, which means you will probably be president more often than me because I put chocolate liqueur in my coffee when I can't find Splenda. So we're going to need somebody to keep the train on the tracks. Fun fact. Fun fact. What did you do today? Happy New Year. I can't find Splenda, but I have chocolate liqueur. So we are okay. I mean... It works. Nice. So we should probably say, hi, this is Death Before Booze. I'm Sam. Yep. yep. I'm Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Sam. Um, <laughs> we are on episode 14, one four, and what is our topic today? In case people didn't pick up on it, it is New Year, same shit. Same shit, bitches. So these people did not go with their new year's resolution they're just like fuck it <laughs> like most they were people like i'm gonna change i'm gonna do better and, and then, they did not do that not even no. a little bit no. <laughs> so today's probably gonna get a little deep 
This is a little yeah, bit, little we, dark. We both, we both went uh, team death on this week. So, so sorry. But I promise sorry. next week is, I'll give you a little quick preview. Next week, we're both doing uh, team booze. So be prepared. Oh. My love, my Jen. I start. My favorite co-host. It's all you. I'm so ready for all this. Right. So I, this is more of like a notorious one. Um, and people have definitely heard of There's There's the three Peterson trifecta. Um, this one is going to be Drew Peterson, um, and you'll see the differences between all of them because at some point we'll probably do the other two or at least touch on them. Yes, I, but there's there's the three trifectas. So everyone's like, which one is that? That's that this was one's definitely the one who me. Fucking lesson. As someone who this one, I'm trying so much to be more of like the true crimey podcaster that I should be for this podcast, but I'm really obviously more booze at any given moment. So, which is great because I'm when you yeah, said Peterson, I was like, oh, that guy. And then you were like, no, not that one. The other one. And I'm like, oh, that guy. And you were like, nope, the other one. <laughs> right. There's, like, OK, I know what we're trifecta. talking about. <laughs> and it, this is the guy who never pulls his shit together because he's a piece of shit. So we hate him. Off the Do bat, we hate him? We don't we like fucking him. hate him. His guts. So here we go. Starting it off right. Let's. Give me a little bit of background on Drew Peterson. He joined the army after high school. He went to college and then he trained as military police. Okay. okay. He then spent 30 years on the Illinois police uh, police force. In 1978, he was assigned to the Metropolitan Area Narcotics Squad. In 1979, he was um, awarded Police Officer of the Year. And he retired in 2007 with the rank of Sergeant and a tax-free... Um, $79,000 a year pension. So what I'm basically hearing is whatever comes to follow what you just told us, this bitch should have known better. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm also very... That's right, Drew. (laughs) I'm also very upset that he got almost 80K. Not Where's my 80K that's not taxed? I've given my time. I wave to a right. police officer. I offer them water when it's hot. So Drew also, not only does he do the whole police officer thing, apparently he's really good at his job, whatever. Um, he seems to have a an array of women that he just loves to just get married, get divorced, cheat on them, do the whole thing. Why? So that this sounds is where expensive. It is, or it seems that way. So let's go through his list. So we've got Carol Brown, who was his high school sweetheart. They uh, were married in 1974, and they got divorced in 1980 because she found out he was being unfaithful with his going-to-be second wife because this is kind of a pattern for Drew. Um, But they had two sons, so Stephen and Eric. Okay. Carol, two kids, moving yes. on to number two. Got moving it. Moving on to Vicky. Vicky Connolly, they married in 1982. Again, she was the one that he cheated on his first wife with. Okay. Um, she had a child from another marriage, and she and him decided they were going to own and operate a bar together, and it seemed to be pretty good, successful at least. She reported on numerous occasions that Drew was abusive and verbally and domestically. I hate that. He said that she, and this is the really fucked up part. She said he never hit her hard enough to leave evidence, but it was enough to enact mind games. 
this is the police officer in him where well you know oh like, my god i never thought that about that's that fucked. yeah that's fucked oh so, i don't like it also she said that he bugged the house and monitored her phone constantly to make sure she wasn't quote doing anything she shouldn't be doing who the fuck are you my father exactly her daughter also was said to suffer mental and physical abuse i'm sure by him so she just was like you know we're, we're done so they married they were married for 10 years um she put up with that she, for 10 years good well not good for her yeah. but wow she's a better person right. than me i would have poisoned her by then yeah she also later reported and this was probably it came up later on um that drew had threatened to kill her and make it look like an accident a couple of times um yeah he divorced her or she divorced him rather good for her um, because one once again drew was cheating on her with his soon-to-be third wife don't these women realize it's, it's once a, a cheater pattern, like always know? a cheater like if she if exactly. he cheated on her with you he's going to cheat on you with the next one like it doesn't get better a leopard yeah. doesn't change its sp- i mean some people in this world are just like that and you know what? Right. If you have an understanding and consent from your partner, fucking go for it. Live your life. Right. But exactly. Like, why do we have to hurt people? Like, just be ni- just be nice. Fuck. Every week. Every week we say it. Just be Every nice. Every week. I'm sorry. <laughs> so here's where we get into um, is Kathleen Savio. She actually married him the same year that he and Vicky got divorced, two months after the divorce was finalized. His bedsheets weren't even cold. Yeah. <sighs> so, did she have kids? Um, like, did, did any of these women come no, into she didn't relationships kids with kids or did he stick with the same age? He had the kids. He had kids um, from his first marriage. Vicky had a girl from her first, her prior relationship. But other than that, they haven't. Okay made any baby since so kathleen and he were married um just over 10 years the police were called 18 times for domestic disturbance between 2002 and 2004 18 times i thought you were going to say over 10 years and i was going to be like twice a year isn't great but no that's a lot two two years two years yeah now kathleen and him did have two kids together christopher and thomas and their divorce was finalized in october of 2003 okay okay stacy peterson married him pretty quickly after that because once again he was cheating huh and stacy happened to be the next in line didn't see that coming now Stacy was much younger. She was 19 when she married Drew and he was 49. That's a that's big. Ooh. Ooh, sugar daddy. Hey, but he's a dick. And I mean, he's he's a cop. He's got, you know, the the crazy thing is that the family, because they eventually also had two kids together. Uh Uh-huh. And she adopted his other two kids from his other marriage. Okay. Um the crazy thing was the family, so Stacy, Andrew, and their family lived a couple houses down from Kathleen's house. 
That poor just, fucking woman. Right? Like she can't get away from. No, her. imagine like. Oh, I hate that. That's a terrible idea. I would have moved. Yeah. And, and I mean, it makes sense, I guess, for the kids because the kids are close and they can kind of see mom and they can see dad. But at the same time, he bought that house with Kathleen and then he bought this other house. with. So it's like, uh, I don't, it's just, so, it's just weird. He's fucking, bleh. so whatever. It gets, it gets crazy and weird after this point. <laughs> so in 2004. Yeah. Kathleen was found in a waterless bathtub in the master suite of her house, dead. Now, the death was ruled as an accident because accidental drowning. So the coroner did the, you know, the autopsy or whatever, you know. So it was an accident. It was just ruled an accident, which, okay, people slip and fall all the time. Okay. I don't like it. He would never hurt his ex-wife because, again, he's married. He's remarried to another girl at this point. They just happened to find Kathleen and, you know, just an ex. She's just dead? Like It just fucking happened. It just is. No, a paper cut just kind of happens. A broken glass just kind of happens. Finding someone dead in their tub doesn't just kind of (laughs) happen. They said that. Did she have any contusions? If she hit her head, was there any bruising? Was there? Yeah. That's. uh... Oh, no. Oh. Mm. We're going to circle back. (laughs) Poor Kathleen. I don't like it. Drew then put the house up for sale pretty much a month after Kathleen's death. So she died. They buried her. And he just put the house up for sale because technically, again, it was their but he's the ex. Yep. But he was still in the house. He wasn't in the house. That was his. Remember, like no, I understand that it was his. Couple. But when they got divorced, didn't they split marital assets? Like, wouldn't have gone to her or to him? I do believe at this point, because he had just gotten, they just got divorced a year prior, that maybe she didn't have time to change like beneficiary stuff. That's my thought. Oh, I didn't think of that. That was my thought. Oh, because I don't like, like it, but that house. was kind of smart for him. Yeah. I mean, considering so he, how dumb he's been so far, I'm kind of impressed. I don't like it. Yeah. Nope. The weird thing is when he did put the house up for sale, he never mentioned the death of his wife or his ex-wife to the new owners. He just said, I'm selling the house because the kids like the pool better at the house that we're at. That's why. Didn't they Google it? What? Oh, I guess Google I mean, wasn't a thing. In the 80s. It's, yeah, it's like two, it's the early two thousand, so I'm guessing okay. no. But at the same time, wouldn't I don't know? Wouldn't that be that would be in the paper? I think it would be in the paper. I think it would be on Facebook. I think I would definitely have gone on Google because I googled our house before we bought it and was like, "What yeah. happened here?" Or ask ask the person who's selling it, being like, "Hey, so like, did did something happen?" Oh, I asked that. In, like, every house, yeah. we all, I was like, is this place yeah. haunted? Did anyone die? And my realtor's like, yeah. and by, like, the fifth house, he's like, all right, nobody died in here. There's nothing about a haunting. <laughs> like, just stop. Um. So that whole thing happens again. Yeah. It's just weird. Now, in 2007, Stacy's sister hadn't heard from her in a few days. Okay. So... Normally, this is not okay. The two of them had plans 
And so she officially reported her missing. Said, I don't know where my sister is. Oh, God. Drew, when he was asked, yeah. said Stacy called him the night prior. So before her sister reported her missing. And Stacy called and said at 9 p.m. So he specified 9 p.m. Yeah, okay. That means that he was doing she something found bad at 9 p.m. Yeah. We know. She found another guy. <gasps> she was going to, to be with him. And she told him her car was at the airport and he could pick it up there. That doesn't sound like how a woman would do that. Like, not even... like. Nope. Has he never been forced to watch a Lifetime movie? Like, come on, bro. He's a pol- he's a fucking police officer. He needs to be Like, better. you would think that he would he would have heard some shit, you know? So this is a little suspicious. So the police issued four search warrants for the Peterson property. They seized his guns and they brought in both he and Stacy's vehicles. Okay. Just, you know, they didn't find anything. December, so two months after Stacy's disappearance, because she's still missing, because even though, yeah, the car was at the airport... Or he said he picked it up at the airport. Um, and, you know, the, the, his sticking to his story of, like, this, she went with this other guy. Um, Drew retired from the force. Okay. And he was allowed to accept his pension. Because oh. he wasn't convicted of a crime. So they allowed him to have it. Because even though, dude, your wife's missing and you're a little suspicious... It wasn't enough for them to go, well, we have to hold your pension. Because, again, if he's not convicted it, of anything, like, like the, this isn't like, you know, the the wood chipper guy who's like, oh, by the way, do I get like my wife's life? Insurance? Oh, my no, God. Remember don't. that motherfucker so, back. So it's not like that because it's his pension. And they're like, well, <laughs> technically, he's not charged with anything. So because people were pissed they're like it, it, her family was like. You can't give him his pension. They're like, we can because technically he's not. I mean, if you think about it, depending on how his contract was, it's like, how can we not? We're opening ourselves up for libel at that point. So we have to. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's it just doesn't it doesn't seem right and it doesn't sit well. But no. So after chatting with some neighbors, um, Rick Mims, who is a friend of Drew, admitted they purchased three plastic containers and this guy sold his story to the press so he didn't say it to the police he kind of just went to the press and was like oh by the way i don't like that it's just very strange that like because people just want publicity now again did this happen we don't know okay um they probably looked up stuff they probably sure he probably purchased the, the the containers because his stepbrother says that he helped to move containers later on but why would you sell your like it just because he's just money hungry that's why i answered my own question yeah <laughs> i was gonna say because people so, suck but i mean your answer yeah. is probably more on on the nose it's uh... so drew's stepbrother thomas morphy allegedly that's an helped drew carry the containers from his house to his suv okay and i say alleged because he says he did this, but Drew will always say, no, he didn't help me. So Fuck Drew. Um, I don't give a fuck about him. Thomas then attempted suicide because he believed helping him in that act helped him to get rid of Stacy's body. So he was fully like his, it's his stepbrother. And he's like, I helped in this crime. It just He seemed, didn't open the boxes? 
This is why Ken tells me to keep my hands in my fucking pockets because, you know, I'd be opening okay. boxes. We were helping Kristen in Dallas move. Man, I was opening boxes as I'm like, oh, what is in here? Okay, this got to go in this room. What's in this one? It's got to go in this room. Like, yeah, I didn't. You got me helping you, you know, man. I'm going to look. <laughs> I would also kind of do the same thing. But I guess if it's like a family member, they're like, hey, could you help me move some storage containers? You're like, oh, okay. I mean, it's not weird, but at the same time, his his wife's missing, so it's a little sus, and the police already kind of have their, like, feelers out of, like, mm, something's not right, because his story says at exactly 9 o'clock he received a call from his wife um, saying, I'm running away with this other guy. Meanwhile, they have kids. Like, they have two kids. And his other two kids. I hate it. So, like, what you know, so I guess if I were Oh, I just Thomas, got a chill. I just got such a chill. <laughs> If I were Thomas, I would probably pushed a little bit more yeah. considering. But at the same time, if it's a family member and like they're like, hey, could you help me move some stuff? They're a family member. I get to push even more than I would a friend. I'm not. Yeah, that's you no, know, you're I, right. You're right. I, I don't. I, I just I'd be like, OK, what are we moving? Yeah, my family you know, knows. Kind of, you know, <laughs> I'm going to look. I'm going to ask questions like, what is this? Why are we moving it? Where is it going? Why are we? Like, like where, what are you putting? What's in the boxes? Can I open the boxes? Like, that's. Oh, you know, see, that's like, not that's... a question. That's just I'm open this. <laughs> hey, what's in here? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Close that back up. Oh, shit. But imagine we did that. And then this motherfucker like killed him, too. Oh, yeah. don't like it. But I guess there was that guilt that Thomas had later. And that's why he attempted to take his own life, because he's like, I assisted in this. And I feel Aww. like a terrible person. And when they asked, the neighbors were asked they did report seeing drew and another man probably thomas okay. carrying out 55 gallon barrel drums or containers um out of his house following the disappearance so after stacy was reported missing they did report seeing him and another guy moving these gallon tubs out of his house okay so when you first said it i was picturing like the shit we keep our christmas stuff in like the like that's what yeah, we're talking about too. But no, that's what I was picturing. But because now you're saying a 55 gallons. gallons. That's like from the painting gain where they found the the tits in the in yeah. the thing in the Meadowlands or not the Meadowlands, the see, wetlands. I'm, I'm thinking it said storage containers, so I'm thinking it might be like the bit like huge like warehouse types tubs, but not like gallon, like not like a drum, but like a. Oh my know? god! But that's a that's, that's like a, big. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff to move. It's going to be heavy. Even if you cut somebody doing. up and put, like, it's still going to be, oh, God. I have to stop. Now, of course, Drew's, Drew's attorney, when they, you know, said, hey, the whole thing, um, he said, no, there are no containers missing from the house. Well, if they weren't accounted for, how can they be missing? Yeah. Mm. If, if we didn't, if the UD guys didn't know. Yeah. Like, how did you know that he bought the containers? Just because this guy who seems mentally unstable anyway, and also some neighbors who are nosy. And you're like, <laughs> Stacy's pastor, Reverend Neil Shkori, nailed it. Told the police after um, that she had told him, or she'd come to him at some point, told him Drew had killed Kathleen, again, wife number three, and made it look like an accident. And she feared that he was going to kill her next. And what were his words of wisdom? Well, Stacy was his alibi for the night that Kathleen died. 
in the bathtub. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. So her being the alibi, again, she went to the pastor and was like, I I lied. I, I, he was home, but he told me this is what happened. And I'm scared for my life. Why didn't she know she's missing? I feel so bad for her. I know. But then again, you're right, because he was a cop. So cops don't always like to investigate other cops. I feel so bad. Especially if you're friends with them. Yeah. Because his friend was like, he would never do that. Well, I hate to say it. No offense, Jen. But like, you know, if all of a sudden Dave disappeared, I would definitely at first before like, you know, evidence started coming in, because then I would turn on you like a fucking. But no, I'm kidding. Like, you know, I would be like, absolutely not. Jen loved him. There's no way she would kill him. Yes, we have a death podcast, and yes, we know how to kill people and, you know, hide the body very well and not be caught. But not Jen. Jen's just so sweet. She has her little ghost headbands. You know, she she just loves her stuffies. Like, there's no, that wouldn't happen. Not Jen. And then we'd see all the mounting evidence, and then I'd be like, Jen, goddammit, why didn't you wear gloves? We taught you better than this, Jennifer. (laughs) Yeah. The court found that with this, because again, a pastor coming forward and being like, I have nothing to gain from this, and this is what I heard. The court had enough evidence to exhume Kathleen's body. Oh, good. Because again, oh, good. remember. Good, good, good. Yay. So they're going to undergo some forensic examination in 2007. Yep. The medical examiner reported she drowned following a struggle, <gasps> and her body was placed in the bathtub after. So she so okay. So she did have contusion. She did have. Did yeah, she have she water in her lungs? Like, did she actually? Dr- she yeah, did. So she did drown, but she was. It seemed knocked out. It seemed okay. There was some kind of struggle that happened oh. prior, and then somebody placed her in the tub where she. God, I hope she was at least was unconscious. unconscious. Yeah, like, yeah, I hope like, she well, didn't she, I'm suffer. That's kind of. I mean, you got beat. I miss. She wasn't like tied or anything oh so i'm god. assuming that she was probably unconscious oh yes. my god so now the prosecuting attorney told the press he believed the death was quote homicide staged to look like an accident so they reopened her ding, 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 ding. Yeah. what do we have for him johnny <sighs> now this is kind of crazy because in 2008 towards the end of the year peterson announces to the press that he was engaged to another woman. So now he's he's going to go on wife number five. Meanwhile, wife number three is dead. Wife number four is missing and whatever. But at the end of that, she actually moved out of his house and she moved to say publicly, this was just a uh, publicity stunt. Weren't, we were in a relationship, but... Um, this was a publicity stunt for him to say we were engaged because we weren't. And also her father was like, I am not like he's controlling. So you should not marry him. Yeah. I mean, could it be that he has two possible murders under his belt and nobody's saying anything about it? May 7th, 2009. So it took a little bit of time, but Peterson was indicted by a grand jury and he was arrested for the murder of Kathleen with a, 20 million dollar bond so he was held after he was indicted and arrested the prosecutors kind of ran into some problems 
um, because it was revealed that the these were hearsay statements where, again, it was a matter of like, well, he was told, but like Stacy's missing and she was the one who said something. So, like, are we able to kind of put the pieces together? He's a priest. He um, can't lie. Jesus will kill him. Or Jesus will hurt yeah, him. But, but Stacy is the one who told him. So that was just a secondary person. So he's hearing it from another person. So in, in July, they were like, okay, um, it's not reliable for a jury to hear because it's hearsay. It's It could be, it's, it's a circumstantial type of thing. Yeah. Now, this was an issue. The judge ruled, quote, all statements attributed to Stacy do not provide sufficient safeguards of reliability. They can't pull her on the stand. So sure, okay. there's enough evidence and it, there, the statements do say he, they, we have enough. But the problem is that she's not there to say anything. So that's kind of and the issue they're running into. didn't find her. Oh, no. No. Did they ever find her? Um, but her... <laughs> but her statements are crucial to the case so they're like this is basically our evidence so um they decided in april of 2012 so he's been in jail for a while which good for him so he got his but, ass beat every um, fucking day cops don't do well in prison yeah it's true that is true yeah. the illinois court ruled prosecutors could use the yay um, yay good that. job judge because they passed a law i love laws which now yeah which is now known as drew's law <laughs> where it allows prosecutors to enter hearsay statements into evidence under um, certain circumstances and conditions when it permits the court to consider statements from quote unavailable witnesses yeah like if she's missing so, makes total sense she's missing she's not there so in September 2012, the jury found him guilty of premeditated murder of Kathleen, and he was sentenced to 38 years. Bye, bitch. When asked later, the jurors said the hearsay evidence was the most compelling evidence. So if they didn't have that, they were going to be like, oh, no, like there's not a lot to, you know. But wait. <laughs> if you call in the next five minutes. Same shit. <laughs> you get. Same shit. So he's in jail, but in 2017, an inmate reported Peterson told him he admitted Stacy was a dead woman and he killed her. <gasps> Jailhouse informant. Uh-huh. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> this came out while there were also apparent allegations because Peterson tried to solicit a hitman <laughs> to the... Fuck off. To the prosecutor. <laughs> It's like it's just a good, it's just a snowball rolling. <laughs> he tried to hire a hitman from prison to kill the prosecuting attorney. This is what you're telling me. Put him up. I'm tell. This is exactly what I'm telling you. What the fuck did he learn when he was a cop? Like, what the fuck did he learn? <laughs> I have a gun and I'm a call a police officer. <laughs> like no one. No one's going to suspect me. It's like, hello. (laughs) So Peterson had said to another fellow prisoner, he said he, quote, needed him to have someone kill James uh, Glasgow, which is the prosecuting attorney who helped put him away. So. the, The prisoner continued to lead Peterson on because he's like, 
the fuck? I'm not going to do this. But he kept going, yeah. I'll take your money, guy. but I'm not going to you know, do it. You know, gotta take, yeah, I got a guy on the outside. I'm going to do it. Like, and he actually was able to somehow record co- the conversation that the two of them had. Yeah. Good for him. So they added 40 years to Drew's sentence. <laughs> oh, my God. That's it? That's it? 40 years. But he got 38 for premeditating murder of his wife and 40 for attempted murder. Wait a minute. 38 years for actually murdering somebody and 40 years for kind of trying but failing miserably to kill the prosecuting. Like, are you kidding me? Bullshit. I don't know how they come up with the years and what their process is, but like some of them you're like, What's that? Right. You're a teacher. What's that? A rubric. We need to come up with a better rubric yes. system, guys. Like, this is not working for for the females in the world of the United States. No. We always get this steal, shit. In. Steal something, go for this many. That's kind of what you would think. But I guess if you look up, like, capital punishment and all that, like I've done a couple times, it's like you can go away for this, this, that, or this, or this amount of time. And you're like, but how do you... How do you get on this? Because people who have murdered people have gone away for life and he gets 38 years. So you're like, how did that? Well, my and it was premeditated. Like, didn't they prove it was premeditated? Like, that's the other thing. But it was premeditated. One of the problems is that every state has their own rules. That's your first problem. Yes. Your second problem is that, you know, when it comes to women, you know, you hear this. We always get like, oh, you tried to rape someone. Here's like three years. Oh, you tried to murder somebody with a vagina. Here's 10 years. You tried to murder a penis? Nope. Go away for life. Fuck off. Fuck you. You can't go after us. That's kind of what we hear. Yeah. It's okay. That's kind of what... You're right. And that's the reason why people are like, I don't don't understand why people don't report it. Well, we don't report it because... What what the fuck are you going to do for me? What's the point? Nothing. You're going to put the person away for three years and then they're going to come back. Like... Yeah. And then what if they come back with a vengeance because they went away for three years because I opened my fucking mouth? Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Bye. So, Peterson's in there forever, basically. Good. Bye. Um, Is he still alive? Now... Oh, wait. Sorry. Keep going. He's still alive. Now, Stacy's still missing, but the family has presumed that she's dead uh-huh. at this point. It's been a long time. Um, there's no leads or anything. Uh-huh. When asked about it, he continues to deny everything. Of course. Of course he does. Um, well, he can't afford another 40 years. 38 years. Can't afford another 38 years. Peterson's former defense attorney, Joel um, Brodsky, He actually came forward recently and he said um, he knows the whole story. And despite the attorney and client privilege, he may say something. Wait, is he about to retire? Um, He's in the he's kind of not in in like good on good terms. He's in a little hot water anyway. So he kind of feels like it's a okay, well, you know, whatever. Um, but his information is considered, again, confidential information and can face legal penalties. Again, he could be disbarred. He can do the whole because he's displaying the co- But he says, quote, I know everything about both wives. Everything. I feel bad about Drew not taking responsibility and Stacy still being missing. I am thinking about maybe revealing what happened to Stacy and where she is. I'm going to go with he doesn't know shit and he's just trying to get some money somewhere. 
Because he's already well, in hot water and he's, he's looking for an exit strategy. He's already facing issues considering where his license is concerned. So he kind of thinks like maybe whatever. Um, at this point, Stacy's sister is like, I, if you know something, like I would totally be on your side because we don't have the closure. Like they never, they never found yeah. her. So she's presumed that she's dead. Of course, Peterson, when he was asked about this particular interview, he was like, I didn't say anything to him that would be incriminating. And actually during one of his trials, he ended up, um, firing him because of the fact that he felt that he was being misrepresented or he wasn't represented fully dude you lost like you're fucking like a piece of shit yeah if you're if your lawyer hadn't defended you to like what the court would say was the best of their ability there would have been a mistrial like you would have fought that already the appeal would have gone through like none of that happened yeah so tell me again how you weren't represented properly Um, you're telling me that in again 2022 which is when this this interview happened this guy comes comes forward out of nowhere like he like what does he have to gain he has everything to lose yeah with this so i kind of think that this guy knows something Absolutely. and eventually he's gonna say something but again at this point drew's in there for life anyway but it i think he really feels just for the family the fact that he he says he knows where she is like I don't know. So it's just sad. But at the same time, this piece of shit got what he deserved and he just didn't learn his lesson. He's in jail trying to kill, trying to get people killed. He's so stupid. Like, what makes you think that's Uh... (sighs) dumbass? That's that's one of the the, one of the Peterson trifecta. It doesn't it doesn't get better. But there he is. Ugh. Okay. Needless to say, I'm pretty sure at this point he lost his pension. I'm just gonna. <laughs> so, so we'll, yeah. We'll just. Well, end you don't it need eighty end. grand for the commissary. I mean, that's just a little <laughs> too much, if you ask me. <laughs> just saying. Wow. Um, I hated that yeah. story, but I think you did a fantastic yeah. job of covering it, and Thanks. there was a lot in there. So there's a lot. Snaps to you. I hate it, but I love it sucks. I think you did fantastic, but I I hate the subject matter. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's not gonna get much better. (laughs) Just saying. Um, I'm covering a pretty well known case today as well. Um, I know usually we do try and like stay to the more not so prominent cases. We don't need to hear like different things, but Yeah. This one, we hate him. We hate him. We so hate him. (laughs) But it also tickles me. So we're going to do this. So I tried my best, you know, to do Team Ghost, Team Sinister, because, you know, you were doing this. But um, the episode Criteria pointed me towards the weepy voiced killer. Yeah, I wrote that joke in my notes. Please keep listening. I am so sorry. I'm a cornball. (laughs) Criteria. Oh, my God. That's all you're going to hear all day is me going, like that. Like, we're going to, I'm definitely going to try and help Jen get, because Jen edits everything because she's fantastic. I'm going to try and help her get some of the, like, actual recordings of the calls in here at some point. Yeah. But you might just have to deal with my rendition of these calls. Um... Here we go. So, Paul Michael Stefani, who from now on I will be calling Stephanie because we fucking hate him, (laughs) was born September 8th, 1944. Um, 
but I want to preemptively apologize to all the Stephanies out there who are absolutely amazing, like my cousin, because, you know, she's a fantastic Stephanie. This is no reflection of you. This is totally me trying to make this guy even more of an asshole because I fucking hate him. Stephanies are awesome, except for this guy. Thank you. So Stephanie or Stephanie was the second of 10 children born into like a really serious Catholic family. Like totally like we go to church. We do the up down thing. Uh, He grew up in Austin, Minnesota. His mother remarried. I don't actually know what happened to his dad, but his mom remarried some dude when he was three years old. And the stepfather wasn't exactly great. You know, he um, Mm. beat the mom, beat the kids, was kind of abusive, kind of verbally abusive. But other than that, oh, um, sometimes he also threw the kids down the stairs when he got pissed off. Um, but other than that, shit, like, there's, I mean, he was a great guy. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, other than that, his like childhood was like normal. Like nothing really happened. He never got hit in the head. Like he never, like he wasn't like the bully. Like it's not like the Ice Man. Like where you know he had like this whole thing leading up to his life of crime. Right. Yeah. Like no. This kid, that's literally the worst thing. And we don't know if, like, you know, he ever got hit. We don't know if he was ever the target. Like, there were 10 fucking kids running around. How do you know which one you hit last? I don't know. After high school, he moved to St. Paul. So this is about the 60s. And he began working, like, various jobs. So I saw he worked as a shipping clerk at some place. He was a janitor somewhere else. But he couldn't really hold any one thing down for, like, a long time. Like, he wasn't somebody who found a warehouse job and just kind of stuck it for 20 30 years he did get married he married uh beverly linder and they had a kid together they divorced very soon after the daughter was born i do not have the daughter's name they hide it very well on the internet congratulations um but right about here is when he started having like violent tendencies after the divorce like you know he started getting angry he had been convicted at some point of aggregate aggravated assault and he did have a history with mental illness and through all of this nonsense going on he's still like devout catholic going to church up down stefani started terrorizing the twin cities from 1980 to 1982 he was obviously targeting women um i saw somewhere that he targeted women who were wearing red like some sort of red type of clothing like that's what caught his eye and like made him I didn't I saw it in a couple of different places, but that's like the only note I found. So I I saw in one place that prior to all of this starting, he did have a girlfriend um, and they seemed to be progressing possibly towards marriage. They were pretty serious. They had been seeing each other for a few years and then she up and left and went back to her home country, which I believe was like Russia, somewhere around there. And kind of just left him a note like, yeah, I have an arranged marriage. I'm going for it. And this was like a shot in the heart. You know, like he was women suck. Women are terrible. And this really kind of threw him into all of this. He also claimed before every assault he committed, he would hear voices urging him to attack. It was reported the voices in his head drove him to kill. And then his religious guilt is what made him call the police. He said, um, there was someone telling me, Paul, it's time to kill. At one point, he cried in the phone, I'll never make it to heaven. Um, yeah, bitch, you die and then go into hell. That's, yeah. Grandpa's is coming That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, he also divulged that after one of his murders, he went directly to a Catholic church, sat in the back pew, and just cried. He cries a fucking lot. Okay? Little bitch. <laughs> 
<sighs> All right. So now we're going to get into the not great part. The first attack, her name was, the victim's name is Karen Potak, P-O-T-A-C-K. And a lot of stuff I found discusses. Um, honestly, they found the second victim before they figured out the first victim. Right. So, and that happens a couple of times with these notes, especially with like how he's calling in and he's like, things just don't line up timeline wise, but I'm doing it in a timeline timeline fashion. So my girlfriend here, Karen, she's a 20-year-old college student. She's in New Year. She's in town for a New Year's Eve party. It's January 1st, 1981. And her sisters are throwing a party or they're going on like a little party crawl. You know, it's New Year's Eve. She just she's in college. She's 20 years old. She's gonna have a grand old fucking time. So she gets to the city. She was only there for like a day or so already. They're at the party. It's after midnight. And she's drunk which is what we do on new year's you get drunk you have a good time you have a party and you know the party was winding down and she wasn't ready to go to sleep or like stop partying so she's like you know what fuck yeah i'm gonna go for a walk let me adventure in you know saint paul i don't really never been here i'm gonna go walk around so she leaves she has no jacket on it's january in minnesota and she's just walking the streets drunk not the smartest thing to do but you know we're drunk so that's what we yeah. did. So Stefani is, you know, driving down the street, doing whatever, sees this girl walking around with no coat on and kind of pulls over and is like, hey, are you are you good? Like, what's up? You know, and in her drunk state, she starts talking to him and he's like, all right, why don't you get in the car and we'll warm up and I'll help you get back to wherever you need to go. And she's like, oh, my God, you're so nice. Yes, let's do this. So she gets in the car. We don't actually know what happens between there. But Stefani um, beats Karen Potak with a tire iron. He inflicted severe wounds and a massive brain injury that left her naked body in a snowbank next to a railroad track right by Malberg Manufacturing Company and Machine Shop. So, like, here's the building. Behind the building is the train track. And there's this huge snowbank. And he leaves her there naked she was so badly beaten that when the cops got there the crack in her skull exposed her brain like they got on the scene you could see her brain um yeah a few hours later so 3 a.m we're talking it's new year's day 3 a.m stefani calls 911 to report the attack he directed police to pierce butler road where this malberg uh manufacturing company machine shop was and he goes there is a girl hurt there (laughs) okay so potak by some miracle survives they get her to the hospital she survives but the brain trauma is so bad that she cannot remember anything of the attack. She cannot tell the police anything. I don't even think she remembered, like, the party. I don't think she remembered she was in St. Paul. Like, she, the poor thing. Like, in a sense, it's, like, good because you don't remember the attack and the trauma. Of course. But at the, but same, at the time, same time. So at the very least, though, it's not like she forgot, like. I don't think she was, like, Anastasia where, like, she had, like, amnesia. Like, totally. But okay, she definitely does it. not remember the event. She doesn't remember meeting Stefani. She doesn't remember Probably getting in the car. Not. Yeah. And it, like, and then she was found naked. So like they, they nowhere did I see that, you know, she was sexually assaulted or raped or anything like that. But, 
you know, if you're found naked in a snowbank, I'm going to assume he did something terrible to her. Oh, yeah. And by that time, like the, the DNA, like it was what, the 80s? So, of course, yeah. there's no. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So we're going on to a second attack. June 3rd, 1981. So we're almost exactly six months apart at this point. Kimberly Compton comes to St. Paul, Minnesota. She had recently graduated from Pepton High and was moving from, you know, Wisconsin to the Twin Cities. She wanted to find a job. She literally came in on the morning bus. Okay. She gets to St. Paul. She gets off the bus. She gets a locker, drops her shit in her locker. You know, she's kind of hungry. She sees a diner across the street from the bus depot called Mickey's. And she goes there. She sits down. She's like, you know, I'm in this new city. I'm an independent woman. I'm doing all these great things. And who's in a booth, you know, on the other side of the restaurant. But go fuck himself. Stephanie. He's hanging out. Dickhead. So he sees, um, you know, Kim sitting in her booth by herself and he comes over and he's like, you know, hey, I see you're by yourself. What's up? And he starts a conversation and they start chit chatting. She's like, yeah, I just moved here. She kind of fills him in. He sits. So, you know, they have their conversation and they both finish, you know, their meal. And he says to her something along the lines of, well, I've lived here all my life, basically, which he didn't fucking liar. Why don't I give you a tour of the city? You know, you're new here. I can show you around, help you meet a couple people, you know, good times. And she goes, wow, you're so nice. I don't know if this is what you said. Wow, so nice. Yes, please. I can't wait to go on this fun trip with you. This is just a a side note because I I just have to. Um, Nowadays, right, if any guy tried to come up to me and say, hey, by the way, I see that you're alone, I'd be like, I'm going to punch you square in the throat and then I'm going to grab your balls and shove them down your throat. Get away from me. I'd be like, I'm not alone. I have six personalities. Do you want to try them? (laughs) I love that one. Okay, fine. You know what? Yes. (laughs) I just, I just got, I just went to violence. Yeah, no, I'll play the, the crazy card really quick. There there are two types of people in this world. (laughs) The Jens and the Sams. The yeah, the violence immediately, and then the... I'm going to fuck gonna, with I'm you. Gonna fucking fuck I'm going to fuck with you so hard. This is going to be great. Oh, my God. That's great. Okay, so they left the diner. Uh, a group of teenagers finds her beaten and bloodied body in a field a few days later. Or, like, the next day, something like that. 48 hours later, after he had left the diner with Kimberly Compton, he calls police. He calls 911. And this is what he says. This fucking guy. God damn. Will you find me? I just stabbed somebody with an ice pick. I can't stop myself. I keep killing somebody. (laughs) So at first, 911 thought this was a prank. Um, they were like, check out this motherfucker calling and crying and shit. But then he said the murder weapon. He said he stabbed somebody with an ice pick. And that was the oh shit moment. This is real. Because that information had not been released. They tried to trace that 911 call, but it was way too short. But it's okay, because a few hours later, a second call came in. Um, and police were able to trace that second call to a bus depot phone booth. Probably the same bus depot that... Kim had come out of 
But by the tops, by the time the cops had arrived at the bus depot, the caller was gone and there were no witnesses who saw somebody calling from that phone booth. And crying like a fucking disaster. Yeah, nobody noticed. So he told the police at that time, you know, hey, I'm going to turn myself in. That was a lie. On June 6th, he called again to say that the newspaper's like full report was wrong and he um, corrected it. Then on June 11th, he called a... F- I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I'm left sorry. her. You got the detail wrong. Yeah. I, I definitely <laughs> beat her, but she died when I stabbed her. So on June 11th, he called... His, this is his fourth time in a whimpering, whimpering, barely coherent voice. He goes, I'm sorry for what I did to Compton. <laughs> okay. This this fourth I need to hear I need to hear these calls oh God, because okay. this is fucking like I'm gonna try and Google it super quick. I, like if I overheard this conversation going on, yeah. I'd be like, the fuck is it? It is a fuck it. Like, is he okay? Is it? No, he's not no, okay. He's not okay. He's fucking killing people. Oh, here's the Karen. Please, this is an emergency. Please send a squad just on the road. Nuremberg Manufacturing Company machine shop. Please, there's an ambulance too. There's a girl hurt there. Can you tell me what happened to her? Just hurry, there's a she's laying on the ground in the back by the by the railroad tracks by the engine. Okay. What's the address? I don't know. Who are you? That's like the that is the um first call. <laughs> that was the very first call. He yeah. Sounds oh. like one of those like cartoony characters that's like. <laughs> Yes, like that's, that's why I keep outside. doing that. Wait, hold on here. Oh, shit, I just fucking lost it. There's another one. The second Kimberly Compton call is like, don't talk, just listen. I'll play that one in a little bit. But yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, he sounds like, I think I do a pretty good in- interpretation. Uh, all I picture is like a cartoon character who's like. Yes. It's like, bro. So because of those phone calls, this is where he gets the moniker, the weepy voice killer. Okay. Right around this point in what's going on and what the police currently know, a crime reporter, Carolyn Lowe, asks police to release that 911 call so that maybe, you know, somebody could hear the voice and be like, okay, I know who this guy is. So WCCO played the audio on its broadcast. I believe that is the local radio station. And the police started a direct telephone line accepting tips, but nothing came in. Unfortunately, now we're at our fourth victim, Barbara Simmons. So it's August 6th, 1982. We are over a year since Kim Compton, right? So Barbara Simmons, she's a 40-year-old nurse. She's hanging out in town. She goes to the Hexagon Bar, and they're hanging out. You know, she's dancing, and she meets this nice guy. They start chit-chatting it up, dancing together, getting really close, having good times. They're seen having little cute conversations. Definitely flirty. Definitely a, hey, I met this guy at the bar. And um, she actually says to the waitress that, you know, who's waiting on them, He's cute. I hope he's nice since he's giving me a ride home. No. No. A paper boy. No. A paper boy came upon a body that was left on the banks of the Mississippi. 
And what I read was it, it almost looked like he tried to like push her down the bank so she would end up in the river, like in the Mississippi River. But her body had gotten caught on like a bush or like yeah plants something on the bank and you know it's dark at night when he tried to dump the body so he didn't see that she had gotten stuck um barbara was found beaten and stabbed over a hundred times with a circle shaped weapon jesus christ so that means it was either the ice pick again or possibly a phillips head screwdriver one or the other um, the weepy voice killer contacts police after the murder and says, please don't talk. Just listen. I'm sorry I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kim- Kimberly Compton was the first one over in St. Paul. Fucking dick. So now police go back. They get a description of the man that Barbara had left with and they... They're starting to look into this. So a couple things are happening in the back end. This is a little hard to discuss because of all the time that happens in between and what happens at the same time. So if it seems segmented, it's the only way I could wrap my little Sam head around this. So police realize that they have a serial killer on their hands and they bring in the FBI to start like with profiling. Kimberly Masnick theorized that during the calls, the killer was going more into a juvenile state. And that's why he's crying. Like he's every time he like the I'm going to just say it because of the Catholic guilt that we grow up with when you come up as a Catholic, yeah. like, you know, you got to go yeah. in the little box. You got to tell the priest your sins. You have to repent, all that fun stuff. Um, yep. She's basically saying that because he like has this mindset, he goes back to whenever he does something bad, he reverts back to a child and he like has to confess like a little child. So that's why he's calling in and tattling on himself in a sense. As they get this profile um, and they take what the waitress says about the guy and they start narrowing down, they go through, you know, mug shots of offenders with a violent assault history and they they get like eight people together. They find like these are the eight that kind of fit into the criteria we're looking for. They go back to the hexagon bar and they talk to the waitress and she picks out Stefani like that. She's like, that's the guy. It was him. Absolutely. So now we're starting to really pull everything towards Stefani. The cops also, as they're investigating, find that three years before he had been fired from his job at Malberg Manufacturing and Machine Shop. That was probably close to the time when his girlfriend left him and went back for her arranged marriage so now we're starting to see like where you know we went off the tracks like what's going on here um it was super great that the cops figured out who the suspect was they found his apartment like they they went they found his apartment they started surveillance way to go team august 21st 1982 they lost track of him he left they tailed him he lost them same day, August 21st, we're in Minneapolis. Stefani's cruising about and he picks up a sex worker. Her name is Denise Williams. Now, Denise has got a head on her shoulders. We love Denise. Like, way to fucking be, girl. Team Denise. Team Denise. She had been in sex work since she was 13. She knew the streets. She knew the Johns. She knew how this worked. So, Stefani, you know, goes up to Denise. She. Gets in the car and he's like, let's go back to my place, which is not something that she normally did. But, you know, he offered her 
a hundred bucks. So he's like, I'm going to give you 40 now. I'll give you 60 at the end. So she gets in the car. They go. She gets her 40. They do whatever. And then he's like, "Uh, okay, I'll take you back. So she's like, awesome. Okay, take me back. Well, he misses the exit to the highway to take her back. So now, you know, alarm bells are going off. Shit's her head's like, um, excuse me, kind sir. The fuck are you doing? And he's like, well, I know a shortcut. No, she didn't really love it, but she's already in the car. The door's locked. He's driving pretty fast. You know, like she can't get out of this situation. So she starts looking around the car and seeing like, all right, if this turns, what am I going to do? So she's like, the wheels are turning. This is why we love her. Like she did so good. So he gets her down like a dead end street and he turns the car off and he says something to the effect of, you know, money, weed or sex. Nobody rides for free. Didn't didn't they already do what they needed to do? Thank you. Like in my for me, I'd be like, bitch, you owe me sixty dollars. Yeah, you, you offered me the ride back and you didn't even bring me where I'm supposed to be. What are you talking about? Right. I owe you something. So she basically is like, don't love this. I'm getting out of the car. So as she reaches over to get out of the car, he grabs her left arm and with his right hand or left hand, whatever, stabs her in the stomach with a Phillips head screwdriver. And he just starts wailing on her. Now she's screaming. She's trying to like get out of the car. She finally figures out a way to open the door. And on the floor of the cab of the car, she finds a glass bottle. She picks up this glass soda bottle and whacks him. She was going for his eye, but actually whacked him in like the cheek and the head. So we had all these little cuts. There's glass everywhere. He is bleeding and she's like getting stabbed as all this is going on. Total ruckus. And then she gets out. She gets the door open. She gets out of the car and she's on the ground. As this is happening, there's a guy in an apartment building who is roused by the noise. You know, so he's like, say. what the fuck is going on? Like, who's screaming now? She's outside of the car. Fucking Stefani's on top of her, still stabbing her with this screwdriver. And she's screaming, I'm dying. I'm dying. Stop. And then she plays dead thinking if he thinks I'm dead, he'll stop. It, right. Well, he was in such a craze. He didn't stop. So he's still stabbing her. So now she's like, oh, shit, my plan's not working. What do I do? And as this is going on, the apartment guy comes down and is like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? And tackles Stefani off of Denise. So Denise is trying to, like, crawl away. She's still screaming. But now Stefani goes after, you know, the Good Samaritan. So the Good Samaritan fought him off a little bit, grabbed the bottle that, you know, Denise still had, kind of fights him off. But Stefani's a big guy and chases him. So now he runs back, gets back into his apartment, calls 911. And Stefani is like, oh, fuck. Like, it clicks. Like, I'm in trouble now. So he gets in his car and leaves. The Thank God for the Samaritan. He had a full, he had a great look of Stefani. He could totally give, you know, a description. He knew the car. I think he knew the fucking license plate number when he called into 911 and was like, this is what happened. This, the girl's out there. I need an ambulance. She was attacked. The guy's running away. He attacked me. Like, what's up? So the cops come. They're taking care of her. They get her to a hospital. And 
you know, she's a sex worker. So at first she tells them the wrong name. She says, yeah, I was hitchhiking. Um, He gave me a ride. So she's downplaying because she also had a warrant out for a non-appearance in court. So she's trying to downplay what happened and what's going on. And, you know, this other guy, you know, I don't think he had any, like, bruising or, like, any damage to him. That's not the right word. Like, I don't think he had any effects of the attack. So he he gave his shit to the cops. The cops are trying to talk to, you know, Denise and they're getting her story, but it's not really exactly true. So it's not lining up and they know that she's hiding something. But, you know, there's a lot going on. So what happens? Stefani goes home. He calls. He calls. Stefani goes home and he's bleeding. He's bleeding pretty badly. Well, yeah, he got hit with a glass bottle and like. Almost in the temple, like a lot of blood comes out when you get hit in the face. So he calls 911. He needs medical attention. He needs an ambulance. And he's crying. (gasps) I've just been attacked and mugged. Somebody beat me. Please come help me. (laughs) So the ambulance comes. They take him to the ER. And the 911 operators immediately know who the fuck this is. And they tell the cops, yo. Go, go find this guy because whatever this first off, he sounds like this motherfucker, this weepy voice guy. And secondly, we just got this call about this poor woman getting beat to shit and that she had hit the assailant with a glass thing. And this guy saying he got beaten with a glass thing. Like, let's connect the dots. So the cops go, they're talking to him and they're like, so, bro, what's up? What happened? You good? What was your night like? And he's like, I got jumped totally got mugged and they're like are you sure is that the statement you want to give us as this is going on so they go back to denise and i think at this point denise kind of came clean like whoever they talked to was like you look we are not that we don't care about that right now we have to care about this you know just tell us what happened so i'm pretty sure this is where she came clean gave him her actual name everything she knew the whole night and they showed her the photo lineup that they showed the waitress. And she also picked out Stefani right away. The Good Samaritan guy. I forget his name. I probably should have found it. But he also picked Stefani out of the lineup. And they're like, the cops are like, dude, we got you now. So he's arrested for the assault on Denise and the assault on the Good Samaritan. Um, and they really start to build his case by linking all of those horrible 911 calls that he had. And during an interview later with detectives, when they're showing him crime scene photos, he got up from his seat and he goes, you're not going to pin those on me. And his voice immediately changed to that high pitched one that was in the recordings. (laughs) You're not going to pin these murders on me, guys. Like, that's what he said. And they were like, yeah, this is definitely like you can't even fucking try to hide it. Like, you're a fucking idiot. So Stefani denied being involved with any of the charges um any of the assaults and attacks and murders Um, he pled not guilty to the assault of denise williams and the murder of barbara simmons because those were the two that they could really pull together like even kimberly compton they only had the call saying that he but they didn't they didn't have it traced they couldn't okay they all sound alike but back in the 80s you really couldn't pin that to somebody right Um, During the trial for the Barbara Simmons murder, Stefani's ex-wife, sister, and a woman who had lived with him at one point testified that they believed those hysterical calls were definitely Stefani. 
but unfortunately again that wasn't enough to pin everything on him but between the attack on denise williams and the murder of barbara simmons he got 58 years so he got 18 years for denise williams and he got 40 years for barbara simmons murder now in 1997 so this is more than a decade after you know he's already been in jail the trials happened all this good stuff Stefani gets diagnosed with skin cancer and he's given less than a year to live. Oh, so sad for him. So sad for you. Poor you. Oh my God. Poor you. It's all that fucking you. Is he going to cry again? Fucking crying, baby. I love that. Sorry. It's perfect. (laughs) Sorry. That was so perfect. Don't take that out. I love it. Oh my God. Okay. So he's, he's faced with this, you know, terminal cancer and he agrees to confess to everything in exchange for a picture of his mom's headstone. He wants to clear his conscience because he still thinks he has a chance of going to heaven because that's what the Catholics believe. If I say everything and then I say my little rosary 27 times, Jesus loves me. I hate to tell you this. I don't want to speak for anyone, but you're still a fucking piece of shit and Jesus don't want to hang out with you. And I'm pretty sure that mom is like, go fuck yourself. I would think <laughs> like, I would think I, that too. I do not no, want you. No, to have, you're not no, coming to heaven with me. You can stay down there. No, you can stay. Yeah. Where you so on December 19th, 1997, he officially confesses to some beating attack that happened in 1980 that they never found anything about. He <laughs> confesses to the stabbing of Kimberly Compton in 1981. Then he confesses to a drowning of a Kathleen Green in 1982. And cops are like, pump the brakes. What are you talking about? He wasn't even a suspect for this. It was thought to be an accident, just like your girlfriend. She was actually the third victim. On July 21st, 1982, she was a 33-year-old teacher who was found dead in her home just outside of St. Paul. First, he beat her, and then he dra- finished the job by drowning her in the tub. They had met for... So it made it look like... Yeah. They had met, I think it was through um, either like at a coffee shop or like on the street. They met, and they agreed, okay, we're going to go on a date, and he was going to pick her up. So he was supposed to pick her up at whatever time. She was, you know, at home in getting ready for said date. He showed up early and beat the shit out of her and killed her. Um, the way that they pulled all this together is that in Greening's address book, there was a note that said Paul S with his telephone number. And it's the telephone number that he gave in at the hospital as like, you know, this is, you know, my contact information. So that's how they got all that put together. But he didn't make a 911 call after that, which, you know. Thank God for us. We don't have he to hear that. To cr- he wasn't really ready to cry. No, he, he didn't he want to just, cry about that one. He didn't care. Um. So, yeah, he hadn't been a suspect. They didn't even think that was a murder. They kind of thought, you know, she just, like before, maybe hit her head. Something happened and she drowned in the tub. She, he also confessed to stabbing Barbara Simmons in 1982 and stabbing Denise Williams in that attack. So he came out to everything. Stefani told the Star Tribune, since I've been locked down the last 15 years, I've wondered how all this could happen. And all I can say is I'm sick and I'm sorry. I'm sorry 
if I'm sorry means anything after 15 years. He also wrote a letter to that crime reporter, Carolyn Lowe, asking for some of the victim's families' addresses so he could write to them and apologize and send them flowers. Lowe didn't respond. Like, she was just saw it and went, because I'm going to file this right in the trash can. Good job. Because, no, no. Sorry doesn't mean shit. Your flowers don't mean shit. Those words mean nothing coming from your mouth. I'm sorry means nothing from you. How? do you, I mean, yep. you have the balls to then be like, I, I want their address so that I can send them what? You can send them a, a, a I'm sorry for killing your your family member card? Yeah. Sorry. Here's your edible Hallmark arrangement. Hallmark doesn't have anything for that. That was perfect. <laughs> they, yeah. Chocolate covered strawberries doesn't make up for you murdering my mom. No, it doesn't fucking. Uh, that, thanks my a lot. Cousin, my cousin. Fr- yeah. Sit on a dick. <laughs> Steph uh, Stefani died in Oak Park Heights Prison located in Minnesota on June 12th, 1998 from skin cancer Good. at the age of 53 years old. Good. Mm. Good for him and his fucking ass. And that is the story. I hope he had skin cancer in his butthole, too. That'd be gross. I wonder how that would Can work. Can you get, get cancer, cancer in, in your butthole? butthole? Oh, my God. Get out of my head. <laughs> And I'm sitting here going, well, the sun doesn't hit your asshole. How would you get cancer there? So that is the story of the weeby voiced killer. Um, wait, wait, wait. Let me see if I can get another. Let me see if I can get another one. The, yeah, no, the, the clips are the best because he does sound like a cartoon. He sounds character. like a little like bitch. Like, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, sh- mm-hmm. something sharp you. in your eyeball, please. Weepy voice killer. I'm sorry, I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Thompson was the first one over three floors. Go fucking shove a pencil in your eyeball. Come on. Welcome. I'm sorry what I did to Compton. I couldn't help it. Don't know why I had to stab her. I'm so upset about it. Try not to kill anyone else. <laughs> you failed miserably. First, at one point he tells them, yeah, I'm going to turn myself in. I'll try not to kill anyone else. You fucking failed miserably. That was a lie. Lie detector test determined. That was a lie. I, fucking bullshit. Isn't that crazy? I had not heard. I think I've heard of, um, and I've probably definitely heard some of the recordings, but that was that was definitely well done. Oh, my God. Thanks. Um, yeah, that one was I hard. I hate it. I hate it. He sounds like... So- so let's go. Let's, what did we learn today, children? Don't cheat on your wife. That. Be nice. Don't get involved in a domestic violence relationship. Don't get in a car with a man that you don't know. Don't get in a car no, if absolutely. you don't want to. It is okay to tell somebody to go fuck off if they are, if they come at you. It is definitely okay. You can, yeah. And we gave you two examples of how to run off men you don't want attention yeah. from. Uh, <laughs> all right, kids. 
Thank you so much for joining us again on this lovely episode 14 New Year same shit. Um, make sure that you're following all of our socials, Facebook, Instagram. I swear YouTube is coming. We keep teasing it, but we're going to figure it out. It's just a little difficult. Um, keep sending in your stories. I know we keep teasing, uh, fun episodes of listener stories. We just need to get that one going. Um, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform that you listen to, Spotify, iTunes. It really does help us. I can see our impressions going up every week, which is a fantastic thing to see. Um, and if you want any merch or are thinking about possibly joining our Patreon where you get extra content every month, uh, you can find those at our website at death, uh, deathbeforebooze.com. I think I got everything, even though I went completely out of order. Yeah, it's okay. But also, just a, just a teaser that we're planning to do a 2024 giveaway. giveaway. So make sure that you are joined our platforms for that because that's going to be exciting. Yep, that's definitely going to happen. And there's some really cool stuff coming for Patreon. So if you're not signed up, again, what are you waiting for? Go over there. We have multiple tiers. It's not even that expensive. It's like five bucks a month, and you get to hear our beautiful voices more for a lot of stuff. Like it's crazy. We're really stupid over there. Like, you think we're unhinged here? Go to Patreon. Woo! <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I'll leave All you with right. that. Thanks yeah. so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Stay spooky.